Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Good to see everybody today. Um, if you didn't hear from Danny already, it is Precious's birthday. So a uh, big old ripe age of 25 today. Yay! <laughs> no, happy birthday to Precious. Um, it's a joy to have her serving alongside and um, just uh, it's good to see you guys today. Um, we are going to continue in our series that we've entitled The Way. And so um, if you got your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 6 today. That's where we're going. And um, while you're doing that, can I just um, also just uh, express my thanks to our five guys last Sunday? Um, to uh, Danny and Eric, uh, Jonas and Wayne and Scott. Didn't they do a great job? They did. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I really appreciate each of them uh, just giving, giving up of their time and their talents just to encourage, exhort us as a church. And uh, I know just from the feedback that I've gotten from a number of you in the church that, um, that their messages last week really, really resonated. And, um, and so I, I just are, am grateful for just their, um, their, their time that they put into it, man. And uh, just the way that they were transparent with you as well with their lives, giving, their, giving themselves to you in that way. So um, thank you guys. Um, hey, if you're, if you're in Matthew chapter 6, though, we're going to continue with, um, with the ser- series, The Way. Um, as you know, Jesus has been uh, in these last uh, two, well, chapter five it began, we're into chapter six now. He's been teaching what I call the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And he's teaching about the way of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, his theme is going to continue in that uh, this week, and um, and in the weeks to follow, we're gonna we're gonna be going through chapters six and seven to end out the series later later this summer. But um, as we as we get into it, let's just remember that that Jesus is teaching us about bringing heaven to earth and how we can actually live that way as his followers. And um, what, what I want to encourage us with is that as we read this and as, as some of this may be difficult to receive, let's just remember that, that as followers of Jesus, that when, when we receive his lordship into our lives, he, he brings us the best. His ways are the best. And when we try to exert our own way, our own power, our own authority, man, we're, we're only following the ways of, of the devil. We, um, I'll, I'll just be just plain and honest here. We've been in a month here as a nation that, that's been entitled Pride Month, right? And w- what is that? But an, an exertion of our own way, our own pride, our own thoughts before a holy God. And that, that's an abomination to him. Think about that. And so as, as we read the scripture today, we're going to be seeing the exact opposite. And maybe you're not all for pride and things like that, but man, we do this in our own ways by, by, by doing things, things totally in, in other ways that are sinful as well, exerting our own authority, our ways of doing things. And Jesus is here to show us a better way. And so I've entitled my message, Here as in Heaven, and um, we're going to be learning 
three concepts that we're going we're gonna to stretch out over two weeks. Um, we're going to be talking about Jesus' topics here about giving, about praying, and about fasting, and how we can see his kingdom come into our lives in those three ways. And so um, we're going to just pray for God's blessing as he shares his word with us, and, um, and then we'll get into it, okay? So pray with me. Father, thank you that you have authority and that, God, we as your followers have gathered today, God, in, in a way that um, looks completely different than the way of this world. God, our values are different. Our lives are different because, God, you, you have shown us a better way. So, Lord, as, as we receive your word today, as we receive your warnings, as we receive your instruction, God, point us to the gospel of Jesus, that none of us is hopeless if we will just simply confess our sins and submit ourselves to you. Lord, you're faithful, you're just to forgive and cleanse and heal. And so, Lord, um, show us that today and uh, deepen our walk with you as your followers. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, hey, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, um, let's, uh, let's read it together. It says this, and Jesus begins with a warning. He says this, beware. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, this, this, first, this first sentence of this chapter 6 is, uh, is a continuation, obviously, of the theme of Jesus' preaching about the kingdom of heaven. But it, it becomes for us, as we read it, the overarching theme for the rest of the chapter. Okay, and I think that's why they separated chapters here, okay? Um, but but it, he, he begins with this warning. Don't practice your righteousness in order to be seen by others. Now, if you've been paying attention, this might be a little confusing because you may think, oh, isn't that a contradiction of what Jesus just taught us back in Matthew chapter 5 when he talked about being salts and being light? Because rem remember what Jesus said there? He said, um, he said in, in 5 verse 16, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And here he's, he's telling us, don't practice your righteousness in order to be seen by others. What? So we are to be seen and we're not to be seen. What are you telling us, Jesus? Well, I think it all has to do with, with the intent of what we do and our own hearts. See, doing something good so that people see that God is good, that is righteousness. But doing something that is good in order for people to think that we are good is self-righteousness. And just remember that. Okay, I'll say it again. Doing something to make people see God as good is righteousness. But doing something good to make people think that we are good, that is self-righteousness. And that is the warning that Jesus is giving us here as he's going to approach these three topics of giving, praying, and fasting. And just to give you a heads up, we're going we're gonna to actually save most of our conversation about prayer for next week, okay? But let's, let's go into this first section that Jesus, Jesus teaches us on. He talks about giving, and he's going to talk about how we can do the, these good things in order to impress others, but if we do them just to be recognized, 
that's the only reward that we're going to receive. And so, so here, here's what he says about giving. He says, and when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, this is an interesting conversation that, that Jesus begins talking about giving. Now, we, we just as a church participated in offering. And, um, you know, it's time when we give our tithes and our offerings before the Lord every Sunday, we do that. And did you know that back then they did that as well? What, what actually would happen is that they, they would have within their, um, their temple, you know, with, within that complex there where they would gather for, for church, they would have a, a, basically a horn-like giving box that they could throw their, their money into, and it would go to meeting the needs of, of the, temple, the temple or uh, meeting the needs of the poor and, um, you know, sending people off on missionary journeys, things like that. But the difference was, and, and we don't do this today, but the difference was is that uh, the Pharisees, the ultra-religious, and we, we remember that definition of self-righteousness as doing good in order, order to look good, what they would do is they would break up their offering into the smallest coins possible. And then they would, they would plink them into the, into the horn as often as they could to make it look like they were giving a lot of money. And they would just keep on doing this all week long. They would just, oh, they'd go by the giving horn, put some money in, and people would see, oh, like, oh, they're really generous. Oh, wow. They, man, they just give money all the time, man. They got money everywhere. And so all, all the time, man, they would, they would just keep on giving and giving and giving, you know, in order to be seen by others. Jesus says there's a better way. That is not my way. What he, um, what he communicates is that if you give in order to be seen by others, that recognition is the only reward that you will get because God is not pleased with that kind of self-righteousness. You know, I've had to think about this, this in terms of the way that we do giving as a church, because Jesus then gives some instructions about how we gave, give. But I'll tell you, we're not, we're not that far away from actually what they used to do back then. Because in our own hearts, there, there's, there's times when we want to be generous, but we also want to be seen as being a generous person. Um, and so I've been in a lot of places where you see that all the chairs in the sanctuary have little name placards on them. All the bricks that line, <laughs> line the floor as you walk in, they have names on them. You know, maybe, maybe there's a wall that they did a huge building campaign and man, there's big plaques of the big donors and little plaques of the small donors, right? And we do this, don't we? And we do it in the church too. And how is that any different from what Jesus is talking about here? It's not any different. Now, is it good to be generous? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
But man, just, just giving for the sake of receiving glory or having, having your name be recognized every time that you give, that's not, that's not Jesus' way of giving. No, Jesus, Jesus said, um, here's, here's how you give. And it's different than that. Um, keep on reading. He gives us instruction. He said, when you give, this is verse 3, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What is his teaching? His teaching is this, that when you give, don't plan when and where and how to give in order to receive the most recognition possible, in order, in, in order to gain attention, because when you receive attention for your giving, that's the reward that you're going to get. Don't make your giving about you. Give in response to what Jesus has given to you. And he says in verse 4, at the end, he says, and your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. He's, he's a rewarder. You know, I, I want to bring you to another passage. Um, it's in Mark chapter 12, and you can keep your finger here if you want to flip over. I'll read it for you, though, because Jesus actually illustrated this. And, and in it, he taught us a, another concept relating to just how we give. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, Jesus was um, there in probably the temple complex observing the treasury. It says in verse 41 that he sat down opposite the treasury, probably where they would give, give gifts. And he watched the people putting money into the offering box. And many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples <clears throat> to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more money than all who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, as, as, we, as we read Jesus' teaching here, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you've been so poor that you had nothing, nothing to give. You, you're like, I can't even pay rent this month. And, and then the offering, offering bucket goes, goes past. You're like, I, 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 you know, I just can't, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not going to have enough money for rent. That's, that's exactly what this widow did. You know, and in, in that society that they were in, man, widows didn't have a lot of means to, to even make money. And so she was hard up, hard up in and of herself in that way. And what Jesus is teaching is that others, they gave out of their abundance. This widow gave out of her poverty. Others gave because they, they had enough. But this widow gave sacrificially in a way that was scary in a way that showed, showed her dependence upon Jesus, okay? Can I just tell you, just so you know, if you're being convicted right now, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. If God needed our money, 
He would, he would rate us and he would think that we're better based upon how much we give. But if giving is about our heart, then, then the way that we give is going to be about how much it costs us to give because it's going to change our heart when we give. And that, that's a concept that, that I want to teach you. You know, in, in this church, we, we've talked about the concept of ownership and stewardship, that, uh, man, when it comes to what we have, whether, you know, they're, they're assets that we have under our guardianship, you know, whether cars or a house or, you know, equity, rentals, you know, things like that, land, property, money, investments. We, we talk about this concept of ownership, that God, he, he literally owns it all. He says, it's mine, okay? And we have to get that into our hearts. And we talked about the concept of stewardship, that, that God loans us this, these resources and we want to use them to glorify God. So we, we've covered some of those concepts here in the church. But I don't think I've ever talked about this concept that I think Jesus is teaching here of that of sacrifice. That when it comes to giving, the way that God wants to change us is He wants our giving to be sacrificial. He wants it to cost us something so that it changes our heart attitude toward God. So that we're not just giving out of our abundance, but we're giving out of our poverty to recognize Jesus, your Lord. And by me giving away things in a scary way where I'm, where I'm even cutting it close sometimes, that I'm recognizing, God, you're the provider and I, I'm, I'm still just the owner. You're, you're the owner, and, and I'm a steward. And that, that, that I believe, is what, what Jesus is teaching here. David, he said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, he said, I will not give to the Lord what cost me nothing. I won't give to the Lord what cost me nothing. And that, I believe, is an example of what Jesus did for us, is that when he gave... He gave sacrificially. And so when we pass the offering bucket or you give online or you, you make a decision at the beginning of the month how, how, how much you're going to give, my challenge to you is, is don't just give the least what you could, you know, what you can live without, but give sacrificially in a way that, that reminds you of the sacrifice that Jesus gave to you. I know that's hard to hear, but I, I think that's the way of the kingdom of God. I think that's the way, the way that Jesus was teaching, okay? Some of us, we say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give more when I have more. But man, if it's going to take the lottery for you to give more, I don't, I don't know if you're going to be generous once you, once you have more. Start now. Start with a little. Be faithful with a little. And it's a concept in Scripture. If you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. And so start now. Start now. And, and what I've learned with our own family is make a pre-decision about it. Don't wait to see, okay, what am I left with at the end of the month? You know, what, what, can, I, what can I afford to give away? No, make a pre-decision and say, okay, I'm going to sacrifice this at the beginning of the month. And so, God, I'm trusting you. It's an act of faith. And so, so this is what Jesus has taught us about our giving. And what we know is that our Father sees. And man, he, because He sees, man, he, he also knows your needs. And we're going to see that in the Lord's Prayer. He knows your needs. He knows what you need even before you ask. And so trust your Father in that way. It's good for your heart. 
And so as we, as we keep on going here, as we move on from talking about giving, Jesus' concepts about talking about giving, to then um, we're going to actually skip the topic of prayer and leave it to the end, but we're going we're gonna to jump over to the topic of fasting, okay? And so as you see, the Lord's Prayer is verses 5 through um, 15, but we're going to move on to verse 16, okay? Jump, jump over there with your eyes. Jesus says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So here's something that, you know, we're, we, we are familiar with the concepts of giving because that's something that we practice, you know, here, here in our church. We're familiar with the concept of prayer, which we'll talk about. You know, these are things that we practice, but they're spiritual disciplines, ways that we follow Jesus. But I don't think that we're that familiar with this concept that Jesus just talked about here, the concept of fasting. Um, because I don't know about you, but I did not grow up in a church that taught that as, you know, something that we should regularly do. I just want to be upfront about that. It's not something that I've even had a lot of experience in, and reading the Scripture challenges me, because right here, Jesus is assuming by what He's saying that His followers were going to fast. And, uh, you know, we actually see in Scripture that, that uh, they were actually taught to fast um, annually, um, on the Day of Atonement. Uh, you can read about that in Leviticus chapter 16, and there was other, other fasts that they as a nation went about um, at certain times of the year or if certain things were going on that they fasted to devote themselves to prayer. You'll even see that in the book of Esther when, uh, when, the, when the king, you know, issued that edict, you know, that, that all the Jews would be killed. And Esther said, hey, devote yourselves to fasting and to prayer and, uh, and so the question right now is, as we look at this text that we just read, is what is fasting? What is fasting? Well, I'll give you a simple definition. It's basically just abstaining from food for a certain period of time. And uh, it's a purposeful spiritual discipline that just reminds you of your own weakness and, uh, and your dependence on, on God and allows you to focus then on prayer and on obedience, so, so it's abstaining from food. Now, a few months ago, we did a social media fast, okay? Was that an actual fast? No, but it has its own purpose. Fasting from food, though, is, is a legitimate fast, and that's what Jesus is talking about here, because there's something that happens in our body and in our mind and in, in, in who we are that, uh, that changes us when we fast, okay? Actually, medical studies... Have, have, have been done that show that there are actually some health benefits of fasting. Um, there's mental health benefits uh, to, to kind of reset your mind, chemically change the way that your mind thinks, and, and also cleanse, you know, cleanses your body. I also learned that this week, that um, fasting is also prescribed by, by some psychologists for people that are dealing with addictions. That if, if you want to overcome an addiction, sometimes psychologists or counselors will, will prescribe fasting in order to help you break that addiction. 
And so, so that may be something that if you're dealing with, with an addiction that you want to get over, that you may want to look into because it's a legitimate thing, okay? Well, what Jesus is teaching is fasting is good. It's good. But the Jews in that day, the religious leaders, had taken this thing that was good and they had corrupted it by using it as something to show how spiritual they were how self-righteous they were, to gain and draw attention to themselves. And you'll see what they were doing. They were taking ashes and dirt and putting them on their face. They were dressing all shabby in order to be seen by others. And I even know that they would fast. I think it was on the days of Tuesday and Thursday, the days that the market was, was the busiest. And they would go and they would sit in the market in order to be seen by people to make people think, oh man, they're really spiritual. They give a lot, they pray a lot, and they fast a lot. And that, that's what they would do. And Jesus is saying, man, that's, that's not my way. He's saying, don't make this about you. Because if recognition is your goal, I hope that you are happy with the recognition you're receiving because I am not impressed. I'm not when you're fasting in order to be recognized by others, not only are you losing the benefit of the practice, but you are also losing your reward. And that's Jesus' teaching. And so that's why he says, but when you fast. But when you fast, here's how you go about it. Anoint your head, wash your face. So in other words, don't make it look like you're really struggling. Like, take a shower, you know, put, put nice clothes on, go about your day normally, and don't make it about you, okay? Choose who you want to receive your reward from. And as, as, we, as we read this and as Jesus teaches us about it, what the Father says is that he will, he will reward those who seek him in this way. And so I guess what my challenge to you is from teaching through this, and my challenge to myself is, if you've never practiced the spiritual discipline of fasting, try it out. Maybe there is something that is heavy on your heart right now, something in your family. Um, maybe there's something that, that you've been seeking the Lord in prayer over. Um, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's an addiction that you're dealing with. Maybe, um, man, maybe it's, it's a child or another family member that you're just like praying and asking the Lord to heal them or change them. Maybe it's a conflict. Whatever it is, commit yourself to fasting and praying. And at those times where you would normally eat a meal, spend time with your Savior and pray. And that hunger that's, that's in your belly is going to remind you that, man, I, I'm dependent on you, Lord. I need you. And it's, it's not about me. It's about you. Okay? So don't make it about you. Make it about him. And, man, use it as a way to submit to his lordship. That's the concept. Now, as we continue on, I'm going to go into just the first section on prayer. Okay? So are you ready? Go back to verse 5. Go back to verse 5. He talks about praying, and this is, if you didn't know, probably the main teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, what's encouraging to me as we uh, look at this section on prayer before we read it is that we see in another place in Scripture, in Luke chapter 11, 
that uh, Jesus' disciples had approached him and were saying, hey, John, um, you know, John the Baptist, he taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And why, that's encouraging to me because prayer is something that, like these disciples were admitting to, they needed help with, they struggled with. And, uh, and so, so that's Jesus' heart, um, to, to teach us, teach His disciples, teach His followers how to approach God in prayer, how to do it rightly. Um, I, I heard a story this week about um, the Chicago Bears, um, and uh, it, it was a story that, that actually came from one of their team chaplains. The, what had happened was that the team had gathered up for a pregame huddle, and the head coach had uh, said, said to his team, hey, let, let's get together. And he pulled aside his biggest linebacker, 340-pound linebacker that, that they called the Fridge, okay? He was that big, okay? He said, hey, Fridge, hey, after my pep talk, I want you, I want you to uh, lead us all in the Lord's Prayer. And Fridge said, okay, okay, I can do that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so, so he goes and does his pep talk with the team. They get all hyped up and they, you know, they, they kneel down for prayer. And, you know, as they're kneeling down, the, the quarterback said to the chaplain, hey, chaplain, hey, I bet you, I bet you the fridge doesn't know the Lord's Prayer, okay? Hey, would you bet me 50 bucks he doesn't know it? <laughs> the chaplain felt kind of weird. He was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> and so as they're kneeling down for prayer, the fridge bows his head, closes his eyes, proceeds to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. <laughs> well, even funnier was the quarterback whispered over to the chaplain, oh, chaplain, man, I guess I owe you 50 bucks. <laughs> uh, I thought that was pretty funny. And um, if, you, if you got it, um, the quarterback, I'll just give away the joke. The quarterback didn't even know the Lord's Prayer if you didn't understand that one. So. But man, we all struggle with prayer, don't we? But man, one, one thing that, that I, I just want you to know is that prayer is not something that we do. It is someone that we are with. Someone that we are with. So Jesus is going to teach us here how to pray. And um, that's why I wanted to just stretch this out over a couple weeks. Um, because first of all, Jesus actually begins his teaching by teaching us how not to pray how not to pray. And that, that may be as equally as, as important for us to understand and to learn so that we do know how to approach our Father God. And so in verse 5, he says this, and when you pray, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, as, as we read this, are you understanding how each of these three topics have gone together? When you give, when you pray, when you fast, don't do it so that others might see you and think that you're such a good person. But man, do it so that God may be glorified. And so, so, so what, he, what he uses, though, is a really strong word at the beginning. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? I think we use this word all the time, but we may not know what it means. 
a hypocrite back then, referenced back to actors in the ancient world. That when, when they only had a few different actors, if you've ever been part of some kind of, some kind of drama or production, if you didn't have enough actors, what they would do is that they would dress them in different clothes and give them a mask to, to represent a different character. And what Jesus is saying is that, man, don't be like hypocrites and put on a production, put on a show, put on a different mask in order to be seen by others. Because, man, then it's all about you. He actually illustrates this um, in, in Luke chapter 18. I'm just going to bring you over there um, just as Jesus teaches us on this concept. Luke chapter 18, he actually told a parable about prayer. And I want to read it for us because it, it's instrumental in how it, how it teaches us then how to pray. Luke chapter 18, and it begins at verse 9. And it says there that he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee standing by him himself, he prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this, your tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. Now, you can just, just imagine the scene, can't you? Him coming in, you know, standing upright, standing up straight, you know, raising his hands and making a big show of it, and then by his words, demonstrating the pride within his own heart, right? See, I told you there's other forms of pride. There are. Verse 13, though, he illustrates what we should do. But then the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he explains it then. He explains, now, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And that's Jesus' teaching on prayer, how he illustrates it. And he doesn't want you to come and make it all about yourself. No, God is jealous for, for his own glory. He is. And man, man, the thing that, that, uh, that really spoke to me was that God does not want you to platform yourself, to put yourself up in front of other people, to make yourself look more spiritual than others. He doesn't want you to use worship as a platform for personal exaltation. And so even, even if others can't, can't tell that that's what it is, God can and he doesn't want you to make a show out of any of those things. He doesn't want you to make a show out of your giving, out of your praying, or out of your fasting. Those who pray in order to gain attention from others will get what they want. But what Jesus teaches is that they will be ignored by God. God does not hear those prayers. But those who come to him with a heart of repentance, saying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, that's a prayer that God 
will always hear. Prayer is not something that you do. It is someone that you are with. As we move on to verse 16, though, um, he teaches us just a couple concepts, and we're going to end in verse 8. Um, but, sorry, verse 6, if we, if we read on, what Jesus teaches us further is this. But when you pray, he says, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Isn't that a beautiful thing? You know, we, we talk about uh, this concept called our, our prayer closet, you know, this place where, where we meet with the Lord. And maybe you, you might have a closet that you go into um, in your own home and, and you, you, you meet with God there. But, but all, that's, all that's meant by that concept of a prayer closet is just you're coming to God in communion. You realize, you realize I'm coming to meet with someone who loves me, who cares about me, who, who wants to also meet with me. I'm not trying to make a show out of it. So, you see, um, when we pray, we got to realize we have an audience of one. You have an audience of one. You have a God who wants to talk to you. Now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray in a format like this. You know, there, there's plenty of examples in Scripture that tell us that, yeah, in the church, when you're gathered to, to have corporate prayer and pray together in small groups and pray together in large groups, but man, when you do, just be aware of that tendency that, that you might have to make your prayer a show and to use big, big preachy words, big, big churchy words or big Bible words and make yourself look better than others. Um, you know, the... I'll just say this too, that there are some that uh, have come into our church here that you've expressed to me, I'm really uncomfortable praying in front of others. I, I just don't know how to do it. And I, you know, I understand you because, you know, I, I love your heart in that you don't, you don't know all that religious jargon, right? You don't know how to say it like those people say it. But man, can I tell you that that's a good thing? Because, man, you're coming to God just, just as you are. And that's the way that God wants you to come to Him. Prayer is not something that you do. It's someone that you're with. And some of the most beautiful prayers that I have heard in this church have come from people that have been very nervous about praying in front of other people um, that are unpracticed. But, man, when they pray, they just, they just talk to God and they share their heart. And so thank you for teaching me. Because I, I kind of grew up in church where, you know, you just, you kind of forget about that aspect. You forget about, you know, not using those big words. God wants to just come, man, as you are. When you pray, you have an audience of one. Okay, let's move on to seven and eight, and then we'll close things out. All right? Verses seven and eight. And when you pray, here's a good one, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. We've all, all been there, I think. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And that sets us up very well for next week. But man, the concept is this. The, the longer your prayer doesn't mean that God hears you, hears you more than others. Now, he's, he's saying, let, let your words be few. And when you pray... You are not informing God of something that He doesn't already know. 
He already knows what you need before you ask him, okay? Prayer is really, you know, wrapping this concept up. It's about submitting to God, submitting ourselves to his lordship and saying, Lord, I'm coming to you and I believe that your way is best. Man, if, if we knew what was best, if we wanted our way, we would just do it our way, okay? We wouldn't pray at all. But man, when you come and you pray before God, you're saying, God, I'm submitting my heart of pride before you. I'm coming to you as your follower. I'm submitting my life to you. There is a scripture that I want to close with that uh, really instructs us, especially in our day that we live in. And it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, chapter, sorry, uh, 7 verse 14. And it says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And so, man, when we think about our church, when we think about our own lives, when we think about America and our world and all the things that we see going on around us that we see as an abomination to God, and we look into our own hearts and we see all that's wicked and wrong in our own hearts, what God, what God encourages us to do right here is to humble ourselves before Him, to pray to seek his face, turn from our wicked ways. He promises to heal. Our nation is not without hope. Your life is not without hope. Our church is not without hope. If we will just humble ourselves before a holy God, not make it about us, make it about him. Bring heaven down to earth. And what he promises is in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so no matter where you're at, no matter how you come to church today, no matter what your week has been like, um, no matter who is in your relational sphere that you're struggling in prayer with or for, man, that, that Jesus is the answer and he is the hope that we need. And so as we, as we close our message, let's, let's pray for one another. Let's pray that God's kingdom would come, his will would be done. And next week, we're going we're gonna to even learn some more of those concepts, all right? So let's, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Pray to our Father. Father, you've brought us into this church right now just for your purpose. And God, we recognize it's, it's to have our lives readjusted to realize that you are Lord and we're not to know and be still and to abide in you. And Lord, as we do, to know that you will work everything for the good of those who love you. And so Lord, as we come to you as your servants, we just confess that we've sinned before you, God, in our own pride before you, in whatever ways that we've, we've done it, Lord. Um, God, we've wanted our way rather than your own so many times. And Lord, we've, we've even used worship as a platform for our own exaltation. Lord, we're sorry and we confess our sin before you. And God, we pray that, Lord, 
you would teach us how to live under your Lordship. And God, that in everything, Lord, that we've done wrong as we confess our sins, Lord, your grace would be sufficient to give us what we need in our time of need. Lord, you promised that you'd have mercy, you'd have grace upon us. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for that. As we continue praying, Lord, we just, just want to wanna just spend a, just, just a couple moments in silence right now. And we want to just confess to you whatever we need to at this moment. Asking, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me? God, we want to give those things to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I also want to just say as we, as we close, as we wrap up our time of prayer, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that maybe needs to confess their sins and come to faith in, in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. There's no other way but him. And if you'd like to come in faith and believe in him and his resurrection, he promises, as we said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful. He's just. He'll forgive you. So if you'd like to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, just raise up your hand, and we'd like to pray with you, lead you in prayer, and we'd like to follow up with you too, if that's you, and you'd like to do that. Raise up your hand. I want to just lead you in a prayer to our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's in your heart right now. Just pray with me. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he is the only way to God. And thank you that when I was a sinner, Lord, you came down and you saved me. Thank you that you not only died on the cross, but you rose again from the dead. And by your resurrection, I have resurrection life. And so, Lord, change me, make me your child, renew me, help me to walk in your spirit this day forward. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.